cool. All right. Uh, welcome back to the Keen Light Podcast, the premier whiskey podcast, now at the mention of whiskey in its title. Hey, this is Jake coming live from Warehouse Liquors, downtown Chicago, Illinois. If you haven't been here, come here. As you can tell, I have no Scotsman with me, no Puerto Rican with me, no Mexican with me. Yeah, he's kind of the same all in one. But I do have two friends of the podcast, <laughs> two of who have both been on. Zach's like, who is he talking about? Uh, Wilson Ramon Torres is not with us. He's live, but not with us right now. Um, yeah, we are down here to do a new type of podcast, a little rotation of what we go off of on the usual route of recording whiskey, beer, and other sorts of conversation around the spirits industry. And we're going to do a little bit of a roundtable, kind of a new series. We're going to start with uh, Zach Rye of Warehouse Liquor and Eric Rosentreder of the Old Elk Distillery. Welcome, guys. Eric, Thanks. if you'd like to introduce yourself first into what you do on a daily basis for Old Elk, and then we'll get into Zach and lead into some conversation. Uh, sure. So i uh, technically market manager for Illinois, Indiana, Missouri, and Wisconsin. So, yeah, I do a lot. Um, whether it's advocacy, distribution management, a lot of stuff like that, basically just running around uh, trying to sell my whiskey and trying not to burn out and, yeah, having a good time with it, man. Those are life goals to have. Don't it burn is. out. It uh, is. Finding that work-life balance. Uh, luckily, my brand really respects that. So, you know, when it comes down to, like, doing events on Saturdays, it's like, well, okay, maybe don't work so hard on Mondays sort of stuff because I think that's – Having that balance in those boundaries is important. Um, but yeah, just responding, selling single barrels whenever we can uh, as a non-allocated single barrel producer. Uh, it's challenging to keep up with because there's 40 people working for my brand nationwide. So our marketing team is a woman named Sarah, nice. for example. So Sarah. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that like small and mighty, um, love smaller brands, I love smaller uh, business structures and stuff like that. It's more adventuresome and challenging. And you tend to learn more if you're ready to. Well, also, thank you for getting your uh, master distiller of Mr. Greg Metz onto the podcast as well. Oh, that, that a was a great episode. Um, He's a sweet. It's a good callback and a good episode. Um, hanging out with Greg. Uh, I was actually in the car with him that week, driving mm -hmm. him to his hotel. And like a thought occurred to me, I'm like, holy, holy shit, I've got Greg Metz in my car right now. Uh, he's, he, you can tell he's just a, an educator to, to the core. Uh, probably a lot of that from his Seagram's training and his true apprenticeship that he did there uh, through Seagram's MGP and everybody else that owned it while he was there. Um, he, and he's just such a simple person. Yeah. You know, it's so matter of fact what he says people, t people believe because of that confidence and that assured stance that he has. Um, get him a Coors Light and a cheeseburger after oh. a long day's of work. He'll be happy. Yeah, he's so down to earth. I love Very that. much so. Yeah, it's refreshing. Yeah. I think that makes all of us happy, that combination right there. Sure, it's it's rarefied uh, air, not only with who he is and what he's done, but his general approachability to it. Um, you see other people that have been in similar positions for such a long time, and to be able to appropriately shine a spotlight or help shine a spotlight onto him and and all that he's achieved and all the that he has done is honestly it's it's kind of my like kind of soft-spoken like a very much a career highlight like to be able to talk with him on the phone and stuff like that and, and pick his brain when needed is 100%. to have access to that sort of brain is yeah i mean it's amazing he's a guy who's been distilling for 40 40 years yeah and he's still hesitant to call himself a master distiller <laughs> when people that have been working in the eighth of the time that he has like i'm a master distiller like oh yeah and, cool. and part of our like yeah. company mantra is just quiet on purpose 
you know, as we know, whiskey and especially American whiskey has become very noisy over the last 10 to 20 years or so. And to have that as like kind of our hallmark is really cool. I mean, there's a lot of pressure to succeed Mm -hmm. that we all know and that we all deal with on every day, whatever we do. But to be like, it's okay not to add noise to our arena yeah, and just put your head down and go and find find success where you can. I wrote a new mantra today in my notebook before I came here. Prosperity and unity. I don't know where it came from, but <laughs> you probably like saw it on TV. I think I'm that's sure. the unreleased. <laughs> Actually, I know where I, I'm just lying. I know where I got it from. I it sounds it. like an unreleased Operation Ivy Seven Inch. I, I stole <laughs> it from Fulham SC's new brand video to introduce their home kits for the 2023-2024 season. Was that a plug? Um, no, I'm it's Fulham fan. FC. They would, <laughs> you might get a handwritten letter from Fulham FC thanking you for the call out. You know what? London pride, baby. We're huge in Great Britain. Huge in Great Britain. We did a lot of German downloads this week out of the blue. I was just checking that every once in a while. And it's like Germany, Germany, Germany. Huh. Okay. That's how it looks. It's probably just some tu- tourists from America that listened to the podcast and downloaded it over in Germany on vacation. That could be. Yeah. Nobody goes to Germany on vacation. I have. <laughs> On accident? No, it was like 10 years ago, though. Yeah. I ended up in Frankfurt once. And was in a, wasn't a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed I my time over there. <laughs> um, well, Zach, please introduce yourself. I know you were on the podcast a few months ago, yeah, but uh, uh, yeah. I get the full thing. So uh, my name is Zach uh, Rye, R-Y-E, unfortunately. Mm. Um, <laughs> also not a fan of Rye. Um, this guy. But uh, yeah, I, I work for Warehouse Liquors. I run the tasting room upstairs. And um, I don't know, like uh, Jack, what is it? Master of something, master of none. Mm-hmm. Jack of all trades, <laughs> master of none. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think this round table thing is gonna be really cool because um, once Calum gets here, I think it's, we can do like, it's just like, this is all sides of the industry right now. Eric, you have worked off-premise with me. Yeah. Um, I do want to grill you at some point about working for Craft Brand. Did you wear the old elk shirt on accident? Was that the first thing that you... I just grabbed it. I figured, why not? Mm-hmm. Give it a shout-out. While on, while on camera, why not? <laughs> it's a t-shirt. It's Friday. I didn't come full brand blazing. Yeah. I was, like, do I, have a, I was like, do I have a Star Wars t-shirt on? <laughs> Ours is so nondescript. I, I, almost, I, actually, I really wish you did, yeah. I almost rocked the deep V, but went against it. Well, I, I, I wish you did. I wish you did. Just for great sex appeal. Craft distilleries oh, and, sure. and, and the concept of working with craft distilleries. That's like, I'm very interested in that. As far as like um, some of my points on this, uh, one thing, uh, again, like I mentioned, Eric and I have, have worked here together uh, for quite some time. And it was fun and insanely stressful. It, it was, well, it was fun it was for me, pandemic. but it, it was, was stressful for you. Yeah, it was the height of the <laughs> pandemic. Um, Never heard but <laughs> we talked a, a long time ago about bringing this up um, on a podcast or something that we would maybe do together. He's been at the house at, at my home bar and, and we've done different things. That oh, sounded yeah, weird. The charity event, that virtual tasting. Yeah, we did a virtual fun. tasting. Yeah. yeah, it sounded weird. And I said we did different things. <laughs> banana, um, banana. Short tangent. <laughs> Have you noticed that virtual tastings are kind of back again with some brands? Are they? Yeah. I oh, think I've seen... At least half a dozen advertised in the last ten days, including my own company. I didn't do it. I told them I'm sure. done. I'm done with those. The, I, I think there's I a place for it, it yeah. still. I think now that we know how to do those things mm-hmm. and accomplish those, I think like 
especially in colder months when people aren't traveling or stuff like that, or people are looking to do like corporate morale building, you know, sort of stuff. Um, I mean, I did those with the beer temple guys, uh, for over a year Yeah, and like Intel, Google, um, Oracle and stuff like that were like big corporate clients of ours. I see that kind of being around. Yeah. It's, I mean, not, it makes it's not every day, all day, thankfully, because that was <laughs> mentally challenging in its own way. But yeah, what one did we do? Um, it was, was for example. It was for a museum. I forget which one because I mean it seems like ten years ago. I wouldn't have done it if you wouldn't have. It was. Been it's there it's because, weird. It's yeah. a bit of a mental yoga. Um, and Jake, you've obviously you're way light years ahead of most people when it comes to this. Not only hosting, but the logistics that come with it. Mm-hmm. And that hellscape of <laughs> tiny, tiny bottles everywhere in your house. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I still have a thousand in my storage and unused. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's Make a sure. bit of a mental yoga. And this is something I do from events, too, is like when doing a tasting. You know, obviously, you want to talk about whatever you're talking about. But like I learned very quickly never to ask people what they're tasting. Because yeah. that's when things go off the rails. Yeah. You know, And that's when everybody has something to say. And it's just like, oh, man. It's, it's, a, it's an easy way to lose the room. <laughs> it's, it's actually it's why I like having many being the other bartender, Mm because I'll do the presentation on whatever we're tasting that night, and she pours. And every single time I say, I don't like to talk about flavor that much. I don't want to tell you what to taste. Right. If you're, you know, if you like it, you're right. And if you don't like it, you're right. But if you want to talk about flavor afterwards, ask Minnie. Because I I don't want to be in a position where I'm like yeah totally I, I get apricot too I don't want to I don't want to be that person yeah I mean, and and honestly bringing it back to Greg that's one of the more fascinating mm. things about tasting with him right is that he's a chemical engineer that's he graduated University oh, yeah. of Cincinnati yeah, with that so he doesn't swirl and furrow the brows and romanticize what he's tasting he'll go through the components of things yep. and, and analyze it. you can see him analyzing oh, yeah. it. And be like, that's good whiskey. I've told people multiple times, and I'm pretty sure I said it on this podcast multiple times. Ever since drinking whiskey with him, I now approach whiskey completely different. Completely differently. Yeah. Um, that's and it's just, and yeah. it just, he doesn't exude that. He doesn't try to get people to look at whiskey that way. It just, it's just some, it's an effect that he's had on people for sure. Yeah. He's, um, he's looking when for I was the doing virtual tastings in the whiskey more than anything, it seems like analyzing yeah, it in that sense. Um, I think we all do that. I think, well, and I think smaller brands, uh, independent retailers for sure, could benefit from... Great segue. Um, <laughs> could, uh, it, how I viewed it through the Beer Temple and how we approached it, I mean, I, it was like, for one, it was 200 mil bottles. So there's only certain brands that you can get access to that whiskey with. So we were, it was like Elijah Craig, Maker's Mark, uh, Roulette Rye, shout out to Dave Schmier. Um <laughs> And it was just, and some other thing. It was Shout just basically what else, whatever else we could get. And in, in basically, I, I broke it down to category, a category analysis. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't tell people what they're tasting, but hey, this is going to be a weeded bourbon with Maker's Mark. So here's what you can expect from these grains. And basically, when people come into a store, especially like warehouse, you can see that, and I had it all the time at Delilah's too, that people would come in and they would see this imposing thing in front of them. Uh, very good looking, but this imposing. Like you, you mean? Well, like good looking, imposing d- thing? Depends on my mood. Um, <laughs> but this, this, this imposing amount of selection right. and choice that they have. And nobody wants to come into a place that's warehouse liquor, liquors is a sexy room, um, Delilah's is a sexy room, Franklin room, stuff like that. Yeah. And they don't want to seem like an idiot. So more often than not, they revert back to either what they think they want, which is 
maybe an allocated whiskey or their daily driver in Evan Williams or you know, fucking maker's mark or whatever. Yeah. Instead of maybe trusting the person behind the bar to guide them. Sure. Sure. And and I very much took that with when working here, it took a little bit, um, but to be like welcoming them to the experience. Well, we talked about that a little bit Mm -hmm. as far as like, um, a a bar or a shop because we've both worked on premise and off premise Mm -hmm. being possibly a little intimidating. Very much so. Um, I think warehouse can be to a lot of people. And I mean, that's part of that. That brings us back kind of to like the, the main thing that we were trying to talk about before. And to be clear, Eric texted me and said, Hey, do you want to talk some shit? And I was like, I'll Hell talk yeah. some shit. Hell yeah. I'm here to talk some shit. And I just thought I was going to get beat up by Eric, like in the back alleyway at Warehouse. You can still do that after the fact. I didn't. I don't really That's know. a Patreon. That's like, the Patreon's going to be like West Only Side fans. Story. OnlyFans. That can be our OnlyFans. OnlyFans. West Side Story style Let's behind Warehouse Liquors. Uh, kick off at about 1.30. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, something we talked about for a long time. It, okay, let's dive into liquor store etiquette. Um, do you warehouse. need that, or do you want to talk about small brands for a second? We started there. We, we can do both. Tangent. I don't care. Okay. Which one do you want to do? Let's do uh, the etiquette, because that's your expertise. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, no, because actually, let's go over this, because I want Eric's input on this as well, and yours. Um, because I, can, I, 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 can leave. I have a lot of questions on working for small brands, because mm-hmm. you guys both work for independent Smaller, like, craft very distilleries? Pur- very purposefully, yes. So I have a ton of questions about that. Sure. Um, okay, liquor store etiquette. This is something that, uh, yeah, Eric and I have had long conversations about in the past, and, and it's still, it's present every single day that I'm here. Um, I, do we just make it easy, how to get what you want? No, let's make them work for it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> just like the customer. It's, on, it's honestly, it's... For me, in my experience, and I've worked retail both here and another store that shall not be named. And for me, um, you say it. Say it. Say no, it. I don't even. No, no, no. It. I I'm do. not going to. Um, I, I'd rather not. Is it still open? I don't know. I, I don't I'm not know sure. Either. But was um, it in the when city? I, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's in the city. Um, and that was a long time ago when whiskey was just starting to show rumblings of. The success that we're seeing now. Yeah. Gotcha. When I ask Eric who hurt you, I already know the answer. Me. It was extremely upsetting to work there. I have no doubt. Yeah. Um, I have one of those jobs. I'll talk about that. <laughs> I think you should say it. I, I said mean, a I'm bunch of the, stuff I'm last time. I'm of the opinion that if you this. don't want people to say bad things and don't do bad things, yeah. uh, I've completely subscribed to that mentality. What um, does it rhyme with? Schmesh, schmake, few, schmakers. Uh, pretty close. It's pretty close, right? Yeah. Now I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we would we, we deal with this all the time that, like I was saying, people want to come in and they it, for me, it's record shopping. If I'm going record shopping yeah. and I go into reckless, if I don't have a list of things that I'm trying to accomplish, I go blank right away. Yeah. And I'm, oh, all, I'm all over the place. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's like if you're going into a liquor store. Um, especially if it is a good looking liquor store and you see they've put a ton of energy into building what they're doing and it could be anything. It could some chains. Sure. But mostly independent people have this struggle and, mm-hmm. and they have the opportunity to get away from shelf sets and be a little more creative with their stores is get good staff. It's our job to give a shit mm-hmm. in, in everything that we do. So please. And thank you. 
politeness, abundant politeness. And from the customer, from everybody, from everybody, um, there's, there's a bit of entitlement going on with whiskey and I don't see that going away. Um, (laughs) but a lot of it too, there's a bit of, there's a bit of over preciousness with certain brands from the liquor store's perspective too, Mm -hmm. that you'll go in there. Hey, I heard about this and especially working with warehouse, be like, Oh, well we have, we don't have that, but we have some single barrels. Yeah, you but know, we're, that, we're that lying we would, 90% of the time. <laughs> well, that we would try people out on. They'd be like, oh, well, check this out. This is something that we did. And some people wouldn't care. And they'd, then they'd leave without their bottles. For me, that's extremely strange. If you go into a liquor store and don't buy something, that's very, very bizarre behavior. The, the record Get a six-pack of something. Get something. The record store comparison is perfect. It's a, and yeah. the same thing like comic book store. I, oh, for sure. I make that comparison constantly and warehouse is like we're the nerdy liquor store sure and so if you come in to the um, to the yeah, uninitiated it can be overwhelming your phone out or you're calling your friend who you think they know more about whiskey than they personally do it we're offended and it's like wow right. i could have guided you through like you know i mean one great thing is we don't work on commission and so right. sometimes if somebody's nice and they're cool and they pick a bottle out and they really want it we can totally say, like, you don't want that. In fact, let me go into the back and I'll grab you something. Building that but, trust takes yeah. time, too. But at the same time, I mean, that's, I think, the first rule that you and I have both experienced, I still experience constantly, is somebody who walks in and goes, well, the classic, you got any Blantons? Sure. Um, and how many people listen to this? One million. I don't have any plans. <laughs> There's no plans here at all. But yeah, what do you have in the back? What's allocated? What do you have that's rare? That is a direct line to, it's all on the shelf. Yeah. How, how many times does a customer need to come into a store to feel comfortable to ask that question? Because a lot of customers now do know that's the case, that bottles are in the back or they're in a private room somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And I think... I don't care how many times you've been in. If you ask me what's in the back, there's nothing in the back. Sodas. There's two liter. You want a two liter of Diet Seven Up? Like I'll go grab Hell you yeah. one. But um, <laughs> it's people who come in. They're nice. There's a vibe. You can tell. Yep. You know, I have tons. Like almost every single one of my regulars, they set up appointments with me to come mm-hmm. in, and afterwards I get photos, like either via email or text of that bottle cracked and their first pour and their thoughts on that bottle right. and their tasting notes on that bottle. Mm. And those are the people that when they come in, they don't ever have to say, Oh, anything new, anything in the back, they come in and I go, Oh, I got cool stuff for you. Yeah. And I go in the back. Yeah. Cause we, you pay attention to what you're doing. Yeah. But you the know, you know, who, people's styles, yeah, people how adventuresome in, they are and willing yeah. to try things. Even price comes into it too. I've got, uh, a really like one of my favorite regulars. Um, I'll shout him out, James Andrade. I'll let him know that nice. I did that. Um, nice. Well, he's got a new listener. He was <laughs> he was a cop for a while, and he was like one of the main cops that really helped us out when the lootings and everything were going on. We got hit hard. Right. He came and in like he became, every week. Yeah, yeah. He became a really good uh, customer and just like just a, a supporter mm-hmm. of the shop. And. Uh, I know his taste, I know his style. And so in the basement, when I get stuff in that we're not shelving, I shouldn't have probably said that either, but <laughs> whatever. I think you said it last time too. I probably did. 
Um, I think you also said you're a sucker for, for when someone comes in and says, it's my dad's it's birthday. birthday. Yeah. I just did that. I literally just okay. said that like three days ago. I actually, it was the winter fall of 2020. And I was here by myself on like a Monday or Tuesday or something. And I middle, think it was a Wednesday. Middle of the day. And these two guys thing. walked into the shop, independent of each other, but came in roughly the same time. I'm like, hey, guys, how you doing today? Greet everybody. You know, again, going back to good manners. Yeah. yeah. Because your bad experience is a previous bad experience isn't their fault. Um, so walking people in. That's a very good point. That's a good point. Um, and, hey, let me know if you have anything. We got some new barrel picks. You know, standard greeting that mm -hmm. we would do here. And I go, oh, okay, cool. I'm like, let me know if you have any questions. So they're looking at they they go over to the whiskey wall and look at start looking at their phones i'm like okay let's see what's going kind of mm. see what's going on here I'm like, yeah. more often than not we know how that ends up yeah um this older not the gender matters but this older woman walks in i'm like hey how you doing welcome to warehouse um let me know if you have any questions about anything and i was here by myself you know mm. so i that's weird um, or I think Armando was still here, but he was in back doing something, you know, yeah. hiding in the office. YouTube's important. <laughs> um, <laughs> and this, this person showed me her phone and was like, Hey, I'm, I'm looking for a gift for my son I for love Christmas. That. I love that. And I've heard, we, you and I have heard this line a million times and it's just like, if, if she got one past me, if she snuck this past the keeper, <laughs> um, then kudos for her. Cause she really, really got it. Shows me a picture of Woodford Reserve. Hmm. I'm like, okay. Um, awesome. She's like, do you have anything like it? I'm like, okay, I see where this is going. So I grabbed her one of our barrel picks hmm. that was very sought after that we had like a couple left of mm -hmm. that weren't on the floor. Was she asking for that barrel pick? No, not at all. Just ask. Yes. Show like, a bottle I want a gift for my son. Okay. I'm like, okay. I do like, this all the time. All the time. Yeah. And so it, step over to her with that bottle and I held it up for her very much so that the two guys standing in front of the shelf saw what I was doing. I think like, you told I, me this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was like really, uh -huh. really buttering the bread on this yeah. one. <laughs> and held it up. I'm like, hey, you know, we, this is one of our barrel picks. You know, I think if you just put a bow on this, put it under the tree, I think he'll really enjoy it. Okay, I'm going to continue to shop. Great. I'll put it behind the register whenever you're ready. Mm -hmm. You know, and let me know if you have any questions about any wines. Right. And Did you have thing. to tell the guys that that was reserved so, for her. So she came in. <laughs> Or she, you know, eventually made the transaction, bought a bunch of stuff, and one of the guys came over. He's like, "Hey, uh, does the whole like hang dog, like uh -huh. shuffling the feet? But I saw that you have that. Do you have any more?" I'm like, "No, nah, man, it's the last one. <laughs> Sorry, yep. just yep. just sold out. Yep. Did the thing because they didn't play the game right, and he left. Yeah, and he left without buying anything. without buying anything. Exactly. Not that you have to, but I'm like, all right, cool. Right. Yep. If you would have bought something, something like a forty dollar like, bottle of something, yeah. engage me as a person. Because we had this thing here that sometimes it's not always about sales; it's about letting people buy, and and Gene doesn't mark things up. Because like if you're, right, if you're at the register and like you know like oh like hey man, thanks for buying something. We'll let you know when the next one comes out. Like yeah. sure. at least you various, have various right. independent stores, especially have their ways of doling out their allocated spirits. Some of which I completely disagree with. Um, <laughs> we can talk about that uh, if we want. Um, but the <laughs> other guy came up and he's like. Hey, you know, I'm looking for a bot. Does the thing. I'm looking for a bottle. I tasted it out on some of our other barrel picks. He started piling up a couple at the register. I think okay. about like three oh. or four things. Nice. I'm like, you know what, dude? I actually have another bottle of that. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, 100%. really? I'm That's like, how it works. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, I'm like, you're buying some stuff. We had a great conversation. I'm like, you're buying some things with us. Very much like how we're talking now. Right. And like, he was a younger guy, kind of knew what he was doing, but I'm like, he was at that point of like, he might start to learn the wrong things. He's mm -hmm. probably a regular now. 
I probably, I would hope so. I mean, Ben works here because of you. Yeah. yeah. Um, he and, he, uh, from... and he like had the best time. Yeah. I mean, cause just like us, independent liquor stores, like smaller brands, getting people, getting my bottle into somebody's hands once doesn't do shit. Making somebody's day. Making somebody's day, getting yeah. them to come back or getting them to buy our bottles twice. Yes. Now we've got a fan. Yeah. You know, and that's, it's such a, huge thing for us that, i am a sucker really for the, the birthday or like whatever wedding present i'm totally a sucker mm-hmm. for that oh sure i sure. always go grab something what percentage and do you I, think people are just like they know that trick and it's not someone's birthday <laughs> why you can you, tell why why did you have to put know. that in my head you i'm gonna can, put it to you test can, after no, the you podcast. can tell you can tell i mean it's just like when we're working yeah, you can you have like 15 seconds maybe to decide and and kind of read a person right because they'd be like okay if that mom comes in then and she's pulling one over on you, then she should be on TV. She should be in movies yeah. if, if she's acting that That's well. Fair. I mean, my technically, my grandmother has died like 25 times. <laughs> <laughs> technically. As far as people know. But it, your point is to like uh, not taking a bad experience out on the next person kind of thing. Yeah, and, you know, something that we have to like, eat. We don't know. have to speak this person's name, but we, you know, we have worked with that and dealt with that. Yeah. But on, in the on-premise world, yeah. That's the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, at Delilah's, did you ever did you ever ban somebody? Like never again, or maybe they was having a bad night. Maybe overserved. I, I would. I mean, you had to really screw up. I mean, back in the day when I was when I was there. I mean, it was still that punk rock bar that had a shitload of whiskey. It still is. You know, and part of our jobs, especially when I was working the door, was hey, look out for tattoos because it was a skinhead punk rock bar not yeah. like you know goose stepping skinheads right. but like a working class skins and every now and again somebody i know we can go down that should that could be a there, whole were some there, were, there were some rude boys and teddy boys in there too for because sure. chicago definitely was anglophile for for the early part of my the career old robber um, stompers <laughs> um what color were like, your laces at this point oh no i didn't play that game um <laughs> But we had to watch out for like people's tattoos sometimes. Yeah. So it's just like that's what kind of trained me to be like, okay, you get a couple of seconds with this person to figure out what they're about or at least attempt to or get some sort of idea. We would tell people to take a break. Like, hey, why don't you, why don't you stay out of here for a little while? I mean, banning somebody, it's ridiculous. But we never had like really bad shit happen to where it would be like – and if we, if we did, we would call the cops and be like, we don't have to 86 you because you're going to fucking prison. <laughs> We don't ban people here. Well, that's not true. On the weekends, we don't ban people here. So a lot of the weekday banned people. How do they get banned on the weekdays and not the weekends? I that I don't think it's a. Mm, Is there a no. different crowd that comes in on the weekdays and the weekends? No. Is there a different? People working in those days. Yeah. Okay. Let's leave it at that. Weekends is a lot right. more tourist. Well, weekends are a lot more one and done people. People coming in for festivals. Weekends they, are like, tourists. Like like for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, but no, the it's, it's people who actually live around. So how does here. a customer get banned in warehouse? Uh, um, okay, that I can talk on that actually <laughs> without getting myself in some form of trouble. Sounds um, good. We're on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you basically, and Eric's witnessed it as well. Um, the difference is uh, if the staff is able to de-escalate the situation properly and make it not a problem. Like very recently, a guy came in and he was just going crazy and screaming and that he had gotten banned and he was not happy and he's like, I'll never shop here again, blah, 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 blah. 
And I, instead of being like, like, that's the idea, buddy. Get what, out of here. What prompted him to yell and scream? The way he was treated on a different day that he was there. I was not there that day. And so I asked him to come outside. I apologized to him. We shook hands. I told him if he wants to come in on the weekends when I'm there, then it's fine. He just, you know, just behave yourself, be cool. Great. Don't come in yelling and screaming. Yeah. Um, but at this time, What's he shopping for? I look over, uh, he usually just gets like pints, okay. you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't care. I don't care what anybody buys. If somebody comes in every day and they buy a half pint of Dimitri vodka, like I'm not going to treat them any different from the person who comes in mm-hmm. and buys a, you know, a fifth of Macallan 25. Like it's a big point. deal. Good point. Yeah. Um, and so I walked people outside that way with him. something I wish more people would do. And I'm, I'm shaking his hand mm-hmm. and I'm calming him down making sure everything's cool and I look over my shoulder and Gene is right by the door and Michael's over by the um like there's like a garbage can or something over there Mm -hmm. and I'm like wow they both thought like this was gonna go really south on me and I didn't think it would but at the same time that's the cool part about this shop and like a, a family owned independent shop is that we're such a small staff. We're all so close. Mm-hmm. We're all such mm-hmm. good friends. Um, Gene is basically like my dad and all the, all the staff, like they're all some of my best friends. And so it's, it was like a weird thing where, yeah, that guy got banned and I could tell why he probably was a little unsavory yeah. on an occasion of being in the shop and he wasn't treated the way that he thought he should be. And he was ejected from the store. Obviously, that's going to piss anybody off, especially if you're not a stable person. And um, right, fair way know, of saying it. Yeah. You know, when he he came again, it was the, that was that. I don't remember the whole, oh, how do you get banned? Just acting like an asshole. Do I don't ban anybody though. I was going to say, or is it more prone to get banned during special releases and you act like a dickhead? Mm-mm. <laughs> nope. It's more prone to get banned depending on the time of day that you come in here. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. We'll leave it at that. You know exactly. Well, and if you ban people too, you don't give them a chance to, for one, apologize, uh, come correct, you know, maybe do good on whatever mistake happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, to me, that's a huge thing for me, um, not only even in the service industry, but mm-hmm. I think as a society as a whole is practicing the art of forgiveness and stuff like that and giving people a chance to rebound from their mistakes or whatever. You know, yeah. it's, we're so, especially in the service industry, uh, and it's different from, you know, liquor store to bar, but like, don't become so myopic to where you don't let a person maybe prove how good they can be. Correct. Yeah. You know, it, when I was bartending, um, back in the Detroit area, we had people, I mean, it was a dive bar, mm-hmm. like, and it wasn't like a fancy dive bar like mm-hmm. Delilah's. It was a dive bar. Like, I poured shots of Jameson and opened PBRs all day. And when we would have to kick somebody out, nine times out of ten, they would come back day after, oh, yeah, a couple for days sure. later, totally apologetic. And, you, yeah, you give them another shot. Oh, right? sure. And, and not escalating the situation. Like, you, you talk into this gentleman outside. I did that. I, I can't even tell you how many times. If somebody's upset, especially if they're intoxicated or unstable, yeah. you don't, that is you don't start do throwing fire at them. Like, no, you calm, talk to them calmly, get them out of your establishment. And more often than not, it was exactly like you said, they would come back, maybe not the next day, but they would come back and apologize. Or and to you me, never that's have good to enough. see them again. I mean, or you never see them again. It, either right. way, it usually works out. Right. Know, it's it's cool. fine. As long as you just 
you aren't and if they an come and apologize, yeah. it's just like, cool, now we have a deeper respect for each other now. Because yeah. thank you for coming back and I apologizing. Had a that the that fucked day. up my day. Yeah, you got to have, you, like, guys, are, I think, are especially like that. But one of my closest friends, we've been in, like, no physical fights at all, but we've been in, like, at least, we get in, like, five serious arguments and, like, we're mad at each other for, like, mm-hmm. a few days and then we make up. It's why we're good friends. I yeah. think it's like a thing. You have to, you got to get into oh, it a little bit. Especially coming off of, I mean, we're, we're both children of the 80s. You know, we had that yeah. toxic masculine never apologize thing that we grew up around. And I always thought that it was kind of bullshit. But yeah. Something's somebody, happening. Speaking there. of garbage cans, I think somebody's emptying the one outside. I must admit, I broke all <laughs> these unwritten rules of uh, entering an alcohol store just downstairs this morning. I was on my phone. Walking around, oh, wow. waiting for you, wow. talking to an, actually another retailer about distribution. So you're banned. It's my last day. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you down to the front. <laughs> it's a different vibe. I mean, every case is different. It's not yeah. like a checklist. I know. You know what I mean? It's a certain, there's that certain quality that certain people have. We'll talk about this afterwards, but uh, Gene, actually, and this is my fault. I dropped the ball on this. I think it was the wedding, but mm. um, I'm taking over the Starward concept. So, What does that mean? That means that you will set up a meeting with me. Oh, good. Our founder's coming in town in 10 days. Okay. It'll, I'll, it'll be me. All right. Sweet. Cool. That's awesome. There we there go. There we go. Problem solved. Um, yeah. I'm a dickhead. <laughs> All right. Well, actually, that's like a solid way to segue into this. Is there any, is there, I guess the only thing I'd have for customers to know, because like a lot of people that listen to this podcast are obviously whiskey drinkers who are customers versus being people inside of the industry. I like don't want people to know all the tricks kind of. Okay. Well, that's fine. I mean, <laughs> that's fine. I guess is the biggest answer is the biggest well, not the answer, <laughs> but the most important thing to know is just to come in to a store on a regular basis and just be a nice person. Yeah. Yeah, and, well, and go, to your lo- go to your local. Um, that if you're looking for whiskey, go to your local that has go to your a developed local whiskey. Go what? to your local that has a developed yeah. whiskey program. And I don't think they have whiskey. Introduce yourself, yeah. but make yourself known. Yeah. Say hey, be friendly. Hey, how's it going today? Like that sort of stuff. This is but, the approach I take as sure. a brand rep going into a new account at a bar. Like I'll go in. I won't even bring up whiskey or the fact that I'm a whiskey rep until it, unless it comes up naturally in the conversation. Yeah. But more times than not, I'll go to, I'll go to the bar, have a drink or two, try to engage with somebody behind the bar, send my bill, leave a nice tip. And then hopefully, hopefully they notice that, you know, this person is probably a part of our industry in some aspect. Yeah. And we, and we talked about that before, Um, especially if you're going going into an account, like retail is a little different. Um, because it's always, if you're in there, they're going to be open. So technically it's always mid service, but like bars, like maybe introduce yourself, but sit and hang out. Always be complimentary. Just always when you, come, the room. when you come into warehouse, it's an experience, you know, like it, it really is. Look at this guy. <laughs> well, now that we have some international flair to the podcast, let's, let's, Callum J. O'Donnell has entered the room. Should we take a pause? Yeah. No, we're fine. Oh, okay, cool. On the fly. I can just edit it out if we have to, but I think this is a really good conversation. Sure. There's a microphone right there for you. If you need to grab a stool, you can. If there's not a stool already there for you. I'll stand. All right. Oh. I'm not sure if you're in the shot standing, but... It also makes me generally uncomfortable. Yeah. It doesn't? Okay, yeah, I'll get a stool. Crouch. Just crouch. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Somebody throw this man a stool. I'll get a stool. Yeah, um, 
Well, great segue into what we're yeah about well, to discuss with this guy here. The other thing, real quick, before we go into yeah the small brands thing. Oh, you got the host stool, the tall one. You're what? gonna still make me. Why not just bring the entire bottle over here, Eric? Gosh, instead of pour yourself one. <laughs> Talk about hospitality in this um, place, God. The, or lack the of. record store, like kind of segue before. I used to, I was actually, I was just having this conversation with my wife and um, was talking about, like, we don't go buy records anymore because, you know, everything's, you know, streaming, you, can yeah. just, you know, get it from your phone. But I always would go into small record stores and I would just ask the staff every sure. single time, well, like, sure. what are you really into right now? What should I pick up? What's something new and cool that I should check out? And I think that's what, it shouldn't piss us off, but does is do when mean? people come in to a retail store, especially like a higher end retail store. Right. And they're, they're on their phone. They're talking to their friend. Like the comment of like showing you a picture of something. I do love that. Like, that's great. Like, yeah, I can find it for you or something similar to it. You're describing everything I did today walking into here. <sighs> you fucked up, dude. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's something that you and I talked about a lot when you were still uh, downstairs is, um, like, we want them to just, like, why would you not trust us? Everything on the shelf, we've handpicked. We can tell you everything about every single bottle. Well, well better than your phone can. Well, sure, and, and that's part of Or, like, the, what's your taste? Oh, I mean, that's, like that's part of the, for lack of a better term, the filing system that we go through when we're engaging with people. And it comes from all sorts of service, whether it's retail, bartending, at an event, and stuff like that. It's just like, okay, it's a filtration process. Do you just yeah. want to get this to post it that you have it? Yeah. Okay, cool. That's that's where we kind of get Pokemon baseball in card. In front of a red Thank Ferrari you. that I rented. Right, yeah. exactly. Just for the weekend. Just like, yeah, my we, boobs out. We do, we Thoughts? call it, like, we refer like, to never, whiskey as, bourbon especially, as adult base park. I mean, I've gotten in trouble anymore. from previous brands, from going offline, from deleting social media, because I, I didn't want to hear it anymore. Um, I don't care. And now just being part of that healthy comp, now it's mostly just shit we cook and my dog doing something stupid because it's just my that br my that, brand that is, is not 95 percent of yeah, yeah like my brand is not who i am <laughs> you know and, and just and i sure we we all know people in the service industry that they get their their job and then that's all they post about it that's cool i'm not knocking that if that's what you want to do that's your voice great it's just not mine i'm sick of that dog um, by the my way. first brand yeah. my first branded gig they asked me to do a branded page and i said okay mm -hmm. um if that's going to be the deal then we're going to have to restructure my pay scale because that wasn't part of my job description. You, I, and I, I, I flexed a little hard at it. I really flexed hard at it. Do you think, and this is a question for everybody, do you guys think that you identify more when it's that sort of branded page? Because for me, I definitely, one of the things that I really, really like about local stores and local brands is this kind of like almost look, localized version of their social media where it's like, it's not completely polished. It doesn't have that, like, yeah. it doesn't look like it's been perfected or produced. And that's one of the things that I think that Jake gets right is that, it's a bit of charm you know, it. yeah, and there's like a lot of Chicago in the background. You know, a lot of the, a lot of these local brands that do their own sort of local stuff, like a few years ago, um, the, the, uh, the lemonade sherry, or not sherry, sorry, 
um, Shandy's. Shandy. The Shandy's. Oh, yeah. Do you yeah. remember that? And it was so localized. The Shandy and, Man can. Yeah, the Shandy Man can. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was those adverts everywhere, and it really resonated with Chicagoans. Well, for sure. And it's, I think that while I, I understand that at the dawn of social media, there were these massive like corporate brands that were like kind yeah. of taken over, but now yeah. I look at my, you know how your stories show up, the ones that you watch the most? Mines are all like these localized, like small, you know, someone cooking or like a quick, like 10 second, like flip video on a reel or something of, of something that I feel that I'm personally involved in, you know? Sure. And I feel like it's going more that way. And do you guys get that impression or are you still chasing after the sort of the big corporate image brands? I mean, the imperfection and the charm that comes with that for sure. But also too, is like how from a brand point of view, it's like, how are you contributing to a conversation without adding to the noise? You know what I mean? And, and really kind of cutting through that, you know, and being like, okay, uh, podcasting, for example, is a, is a really good one that I don't listen to podcasts where people drink and rate whiskeys. Yeah. To me, that's extremely never, strange. Never yeah. Yeah. Um, Agreed, yeah. Nothing against it's like playing in a band, like good, put your energy out there. It's your right to do that. Don't expect me to support you. Should we sort of whiskey really quick, though? Please. It's not, it's, it's, oh, sure. It's um, good. That's not that good. This is whiskey <laughs> I get excited about, not because of what it is, but because I don't know what it is. Yeah, <laughs> you and I, have, yeah, we've always um, kind of thought that. I know everybody, yeah. you know, the, the new thing is is those trophy oh, case whiskeys. Here, we found it. We found an answer, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, wow. And okay, the there it is. is. Yeah. I so think, I found this uh, in and around St. Louis. Please. I'm interested. Uh, Schnucks Luxco? is a oh. chain in the Saint, greater St. Louis area. It's Luxco? It's E.H. Schnucks straight bourbon whiskey. Yeah. Uh, it was extremely cheap. I, I didn't find it at a it Schnucks. It doesn't look it's, cheap. It's an it old bottle. It's, it's a sexy bottle. It's a premium bottle. bottle. Sexy that bottle. Very yeah. expensive. <laughs> Very, that is like... Plastic. That's lit. got '90s written all over it, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, actually looks, looks, it, it looks like 90s. the whiskey that um, Jeff. Uh, oh, what was the movie Wild Horse with uh, Jeff? Um, You're gonna Bridges? edit this out, right? No. Yeah, Jeff, yeah, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Was uh, it Wild Horse? I don't. I don't know. I just. A, you said Jeff. A, I said Bridges. He, he was a country singer. And or maybe it's Wild Heart or something like that. It is Wild. Yep, it is. Yeah, I think it is Wild. Yeah, Heart. It, yep. there's a bottle that he drank on there. That I think it's a made up label. I, I have picked. Up I do that. Bottle, thinking that it was going to be plastic, like just yeah. on yeah. the way it looked. And when I picked it, I was like, oh my God, it's squeeze. glass. It's wow. finding those weird, like you can barely find anything on the internet about this. That's what excites me. But yeah, and we, I, and we used to, you know, go dusty picking all the time oh sure but, but ours anyhow. famously ours was uh when evan williams changed their label silky boys green label went away mm -hmm. they changed their black label thing so they, they sold their green label i'm sure at a loss and so they took away the green label they changed their black label and mm -hmm. in our opinion uh quality is subjective of course Massive the quality difference. of the black label uh was not something that we Appreciated as much. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And that's what we freak out about. Now you know, the green it's, label it's like those old Stitzel Weller. Um, it's like those old Stitzel Weller Michter's Ten that were out there back in the day, mm -hmm. and even those old Rip Ten bottles that you could find for thirty bucks fifteen mm -hmm. years ago. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of an extension of that. 
a bottled and bond old granddad from 1986. Sure. I still find those sometimes, which are very like those old school granddads are my favorite. Um, America. But that's what excites it. Like us, those, those old green label. I mean, for, but for some people it waiters. is finding those allocated whiskeys, you know, yeah. or, or they get led into this weird little club that we've built around ourselves, which can be alienating sometimes. Are the small brands just as fault, just at fault as the big brands for doing that? Yeah. I want to talk about the it small depends. Brands. It depends on how you approach it or how you're asked to approach it. No, I want to get into that. Because I would say there's yeah. only Let's a handful of small American whiskey brands that are kind of doing that. With their approach I, I to selling whiskey. I firmly believe that when everything is special, and number one is. on the list is Old Elk Distillery. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to agree with you, actually. Wait, wait. I'm no, I don't, I, no, I, no, I'm just talking about how there are small brands that have that approach of not allocation, but collection, for lack of a better term, sure. Um, sure. towards the whiskey. Some of our favorites, though, do this. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm about to say. I'm like... Pinhook. Pinhook is the number one. In that, when right. you said that, I was right. like, there's only one whiskey I'm thinking and about. And Sean was very smart in approaching it that way in the marketing. It turns out he had good whiskey, too. That also helps. Yeah. Uh, old, old Elk is like that way yeah. as I, well. I was actually thinking Old Elk first. But the other thing with Old Elk is um, you guys did. Can I say you guys? Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> are, you them? Are, you, are you offended by that? There's only one person in here, but call me whatever you want. <laughs> you, they. Did. Can I call you dick lips? <laughs> sure. um, the, it's the packaging, the presentation. People drink with their eyes. Yeah, they absolutely. absolutely. Do. And, it, and it's stellar. And I remember. I drink with my heart. When I drink with my belly. Um, if I look at a new bottle on the shelf, um, I won't be super harsh. I'll always try it. The price like, point judge, I judge crazy packaging for bottle. sure, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, you know, especially if it's like a hundred dollar bottle, and well, like really, yeah. like this was like fourteen. Great, I'll pay fourteen dollars for that. When we first we brought in, it was when Ross switched over from mm-hmm. Pernod to Old Elk, mm-hmm. and we were like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Just wait," and then he tells us, "Greg, Greg is on," and uh, he brings us some samples, and we're like, "Oh, that's what you're doing." Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a that was a super smart move, and um, the first pick that we did, I actually did the first one that we did, and it was a bourbon. Um, we've not done one since. Uh, I think our a newest bourbon. one, that's just coming, a regular bourbon, just a straight bourbon. Okay. Sure. Um, the the one that's coming in soon. There's a fuzz on the side of your glass and it's bothering me. There's a fuzz on your microphone and bothering me. Okay. Let's all groom each other for a moment that's here. That's a Lola hair. <laughs> quick, quick um, pause for defuzzing. But uh. <laughs> Um, I, we have a, just a, a whiskey. I think it's a Tennessee style whiskey that's coming in. Um, that is a single barrel that we just picked. We've mostly Tennessee. done weeded whiskey. and rice. I, I know you do. I know you do. I know it's your weakness. But um, that is a com- like our first pick that we brought in. Bottle was different. Um, it was more square bottle. Yeah. Label was a different. Didn't have that base. Yeah. Right. And it was like 50, 55 bucks or something like really? that on the shelf. Yeah. Yeah, they're like $100 now. Hmm. And that's over the period of just a few years. It's, I mean, the challenge of, for one, going to throw it back to Pinhook is what Pinhook has done. And if you're going to do this, you should, is they've serialized the collectability of it. Uh, they yes. have different leases, different age statements, stuff like people that have that collection be like, oh, they, not to get into the Pokemon, got to catch them all. Drink with your eyes too, the packaging. For sure. Yeah. Sexy, very sexy. But packaging. people love numbered shit. They do. Like yeah. if, they, if yeah. there's only 250 of something, that 
like and the numbers or if the numbers aren't on and someone's like oh there's only 250 of these bottles and the numbers aren't on there people don't care as much oh, and yeah. it's that handwritten thing sometimes our four roses this year our private barrel it was printed hmm. the like all of the front label was printed on and there's something about it because I have this huge collection of Four Roses because of Al and my affinity with him. And I'm like staring. These two just stick out to me. Like I, Well, sure. And I don't know what it is. It's, just, it's strictly an aesthetic it's a change. thing. It's a change. But yeah, they, they stick out to me. And I'm like, I don't like, I don't like the printed thing. It, it doesn't feel like it's uh, a relationship kind of in a weird way. It gets lost in that corporate corporate. Thing as well like if it's written it feels localized right sure. it feels like personalized it feels it's personal yeah, yeah yours yeah. it's yours this is like for me you know well and something we run into too being a smaller brand is and it's slowing down but everybody's single barrel crazy mm-hmm. yeah and what That's i try to do small brands come into play more. obviously i want to get my brand into people's hands right but i also not so much obviously for warehouse you guys are pros you've been doing it forever but with yeah. smaller retailers that are starting to get into that arena be like, okay, I'm going to manage your expectations about this, or at least try to. Yeah. Be like, I can help you sell it, but I'm not going to do your job for you. And just be like, hey, this, you might not have a line around the block for this, but what I can do is let me, let me get with your staff. Um, Come you know, in. Here's some samples yep. that yeah. you can taste people out on of your pick, that sort of thing, and really prop them up to succeed. But we can't do our jobs for them. I mean... Last year, we did 900 single barrels across the country. That's insane. <laughs> Don't understand that number. And that's all that we're hand-selling, too. Wait, okay, again, because we're, we're like, in talking There's about, like, smaller, like, craft distilleries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, wait, is 900 crazy, or is that is that good or bad? Uh, it, 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 it varies insane. from brand to brand. It depends on the size of the brand. In a good way? Brand. Yes. Like, in the you best You guys have a, a, a single barrel program, right? Uh-huh. We were under... We're we'll about that. We, we like started 70. doing... The first year we 70? Did, yeah. We only allocate. We only allocate like seventy to the U.S. a year. And you do. And we don't have an allocation system. If you want a single barrel, hey, what are you interested in? Obviously, we'll talk pricing. How stuff many like markets that. you guys in? We're in all fifty states. Okay, all that, of them. That, that helps. All of them. That helps. <laughs> it, it definitely helps. Yeah. Um, we've. I mean, we've. I don't say we. We shouldn't say we. I shouldn't say we exhausted this conversation over your single barrel program, but we've <laughs> talked about it quite a bit, and I'm just still astonished every single time when you say nine hundred. Yeah. I had Chris Blentner slap me across the face one time when I was like, hey, think it's real? And he's like, I mean, yes, he is known he, for his violent outbursts. Exactly. He's a very violent man. <laughs> um, no, but it's just, it's, it's the, it is one of the craziest numbers I've heard in a while, even more than how much Saudi Arabia is offering out of, or washed up soccer players to come over there and play. Don't get me started on Henderson, man. Oh, yeah. What? See ya. Oh, I knew. Uh, I knew also, Liverpool fan. Do you do, do you do 37 cases? Per single barrel? Like, what, um, what was the size of a single barrel, roughly? Everything goes into a 53 or starts in a 53. Once we get into secondary finishing, you get into, like, cognacs, armagnacs, sherry. Some of those can be 100 gallons. Um, we don't sell partial barrels, so it depends. So but can you give from, us, like, a rough? Typically, I'd say 30 is about the sweet – 36 packs is about the sweet spot. Uh, we have had people buy, like, an armagnac You're finish. you math right now? Yeah, Callum's really good is, at math. It, so is my calculator. Um, <laughs> so it's 162,000 bottles. Yeah. Across those 900 single barrels. Yeah. So it's like, you know, what does your what does your standardized range do? Um. So you do 900 bo- 900 single barrels. Call it 30 
36 packs, that's 27,000 six packs. Yep. So that versus your standardized range, what, is, what does it look like? Um, I mean, compared to our, that's where the conversation gets a little hairy because we have got our four core, which is our bourbon, weeded bourbon, wheat, whiskey, and rye. Mm-hmm. Then we have our LTOs, which some we release every year, some we just release when we're ready or when it's ready. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen the numbers in a while. It's about half. We've bought at least seven to eight barrels. Yeah, and there's certain things. While we do have don't have an allocated whiskey list, like things like our weeded bourbon, which everybody wants weeded bourbon barrels now. That's um, most of what we've been doing. We, unless you have a great relationship with us, obviously you guys have supported us since since Jump Street and yeah. with people that are looking to get involved with us as a brand. Like, well, you have to come to Colorado to pick that. So, you know. Is there is there a critical point? Is there like critical mass where yeah, so many barrels are being produced that it, it's like, first of all, you know, does it become a logistical problem? You know, at some stage, it's overwhelming because, you, because you're doing be. every single person gets a personalized bottle. And then my second question would be, you know, do you guys think that is it going to reach a stage where the single barrel for an old elk single barrel loses its value because there's 900 of them out there. Um, it can absolutely. Um, I think we're just kind tiny of and precious to everyone else on their own special way. <laughs> that's, that's a solid uh, I think, question. Though. Yeah. Good question though. I think holistically, uh, as not just, and this is an old elk, I think holistically as the boom slows down, which it has, I think we're at that critical mass right now. I think we're going to see a big condensation in, in American whiskey whether it's mm-hmm. brands getting acquired or brands going away, because we are looking down the barrel of a whiskey glut right now. There's a lot of whiskey not being bought. In, bought I, I agree. And and going back like to the, the craft brands and the small brands mm-hmm. and coming from uh, owning independent coffee shops, the real goal was to be bought out. Do you think that that's kind of... For your coffee shop? Yeah. It was always... Like, when Stumptown got bought by like some investment bank or something like that, and I've known the owner of that company for... Ever since Minneapolis it I don't know if it's a goal. I think it's an acceptable outcome in many ways for a lot of people. Because in every coffee is, company I had, I, the, my whole plan was eventually I'll be able to, to sell out, and I didn't care. Like, sure, but there's people that like, that buy that start their whatever they're doing out of romance, uh, especially mm-hmm. with whiskey. I think where whiskey is inherently romantic um, in has, America. It has to wait. It has to Is sit there, you know, that sort of thing. Um, no, I, my point was purely the... The craze of it. The, the, you know, American whiskey specifically is where the glot is. You know, there's not yeah. there's not a real glot on Australian whiskey or there's not oh. on Scotch. No, it's for sure know? American whiskey. Have, yeah, you're right. You're right. Bend them somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I think... We, we actually discussed this a long time ago when we first talked about single barrels. We were in, uh, it was one of the anniversary podcasts and we were in Jake's basement and we sure, talked we about- Sure, we were very sober. We were extremely sober. And we <laughs> talked a little bit about how America is going through this thing right now where, you know, not everybody and their dog, but there's a lot of people producing their own whiskeys, okay? And, and whether that's through sourcing or what, whether they're producing it by themselves. And I think a lot of people are doing the coffee shop, we'll call that the coffee shop mentality, which is where- you start off and you want to get bought out. Mm-hmm. And there are people out there that are doing it purely for romance. You know, I, sure. I think of someone like Nick Brady Mass, all right, from Dancing Goat. He's just like, he just adores whiskey, right? And whether or not he... Breaking news, he oh, sold a company this week. Oh, never mind. Then I'll... <gasps> are you serious? No. 
Oh. <laughs> we all just I was going to just I was going to slap wow. Adam's mic out of his hand. Uh, <laughs> well, but, no, but uh, his uh his Illinois sales rep did text me that as a joke earlier this week. That's, what that's what the starts, previous guest in this podcast. What starts as romance and, and enthusiasm. If you do anything for 20 years, you'll be like if somebody backs a dump truck full of money up like, to your door, you'll be like but my, I've done this for point, 20 years. I've had my run. My point, though, is this, like, you see the, I don't know if you see those graphs with, like, Apple products and the saturation period and then oh, it sure. cools yeah. off and yeah. all this kind of yeah. thing. And I think that other big countries that have produced whiskey knowingly and have been doing it for, like, a long, long time, and it's been a global phenomenon, like, yeah. you look at Scotch and Irish, they went through this, well, but yeah. it was 200 years ago. Yeah, long time years ago. ago. Yeah. Scot- uh, you know, in Ireland, there was twice the amount of distilleries in Ireland when Scotch, like, in the end, before, before Phylloxera and everything like this, before Scotch became the king of the world from the whiskey point of view. Yeah. And they go through this where everybody's like, oh my God, like, people love getting drunk. I love the taste of this stuff. Sure. And at some stage, someone's going to ask to buy this off of me. I'm going to start my own. Well, you find places to survive. And I think, I think we, I don't know, I don't know enough about American whiskey, but it wouldn't surprise me if we were coming to the edge, that, the peak of that. Yeah. Um, I think hill, so. You we know, know where. It's, it's been about every 25 years in America where every American whiskey, since post World yeah. War II, where yeah. it's been. You look at high, Four Roses. Fall into the 60s of like martinis. Um, in, and in like the whole Mad Men era, where it's like you could see tra- f- through that program, like start drinking whiskey, more martinis as it goes through, more vodka based. Mm-hmm. Um, going to the 80s, nobody wants American bourbon. 90s, distilleries are shutting down. Um, That's how Four Roses survived. Right. They sold most of their product through Japan, France, and, and, and Spain to survive. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I think, think we're at that point of creativity I, that we're that i don't well, think that's where really the small brands come in i think for sure because you guys are like i think the smaller craft brands are being a lot more creative with what they're doing mm, sure and i also like i get what you mean by like it's romanticized i think it's more like fetishy anymore oh, with american a, bourbon than it is romantic the customers are fetishing it or the owners of the actual distillery the customers okay a little yeah. bit and it is totally look what i have and i don't think that people are We've had this conversation numerous times. Uh, we probably have too. Um, drink your whiskey. Mm. Don't buy it to this display it on your shelf like this prized trophy, like right. this deer that you shot in the woods that right. you're going to get mounted on the or fucking this wall. Ale? Yeah. <laughs> Anyone? Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Checks in the mail. Nailed good. it. That was good. That was good. <laughs> no, I think I hear you so much on that. There's one of your Aaron picks that I have, the peated one, and you're just like, this is so good but i don't want to finish it and i've drank that bottle pretty quickly yeah i've had it for like sure. six seven months and gone through like i'm down to like a few pours left into many it. Uh, many gets mad at me constantly of being like can you finish like can we finish any of these bottles and i'm like no <laughs> not until the right time you know like and the that's that's moment. i think more of like romanticizing the yeah. whiskey because you you feel like you have a relationship with Granite. it you've opened it uh, yeah you, I, i'm that. more on probably all the unfair people to talk to about it like i have a storage unit full of whiskey that i didn't pay for and it's like my stock of whiskey from work you know mm, that's great but well, I think for smaller, it? for smaller, whatever, do whatever. I've, I've got four feelings left. It's not going to hurt any of them. Uh, what I think <laughs> small brands, what small brands are needing to realize, and I think a lot of them are, is that you need people out there. If you have a story or getting whiskey to, you know, getting whiskey into people and having that personal touch, you have, you have brands out there that 
are so popular and their allocated whiskeys are so sought after that it's actually taking jobs away. They don't need salespeople anymore. Mm. And to me, that's that's the kind of ugly side of, of what I've started to see. Okay. Um, I think and I'm not going to call anybody out. I would never do that. No, but you're about to. I think you should. Uh, um, no, I don't want to. It's well, not my job to do that. Um, before we get into and that. And that's not the point. The point is, like, let's put whiskey is people-based. It's romantic. Yeah. If you have a story to sell out there, then you need to have somebody to tell it or if you're looking to buy whiskey build a brand behind it and sell it in a couple years well good for you too I mean, that's fine whatever works for you that's a great point um great thing to bring up i just want to go back to the old elk, old elk one one minute here do you think that the single barrel program is injecting life into the brand in a very positive way or is it people looking for allocated stuff where it's not bringing it back to the core product? It's a different it, market. Only because I, it's not just Old Elk doing that. Like That's how we grew. Oh, America. not yeah. Didn't take it that way at all. Um, I, I think it's a different market, too, as we're now what this is the first normal calendar year we can honestly say we've had since 2019. Yeah. So it's a different market. Uh, I think consumers are different. Um, they're, pay, they're drinking less but they're paying more to do it in, I think, a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, what I would say is, like, Old Elk, um, it, it is a brand that if I taste somebody out on it, they buy it. Yeah. But if they have not, and they just look at it at the shelf at that price, and they don't know what it is at all, yeah. they don't buy it. It's, it's, been, a big, it's been a big focus mm -hmm. of mine, too, to uh, focus on on-premise as well. Yep. Uh, for one, Chicago had it pretty bad for a few years, so yeah. trying to get the brand in front of people and doing that, it's it. it our price has something; to, uh, it has quite a bit to do with it too, uh, because we're not inexpensive. We're not at that dollar an your ounce price spot. for the on-premise, right? What is your biggest market, if you don't mind me asking? Illinois, um, Illinois yeah. number one. Uh, really? If you take away Metro Chicago. The rest of Illinois is number 16. Isn't that probably every brand? Uh, Missouri's number six, That's though, fair. nationwide. So, so Colorado's it's, not up there? Uh, it's getting up there. It's Chicago, just, or Colorado doesn't really have the... It's a provincial market. ...populous-centric. there's a lot of great uh, It's a different market. It's a different animal. They're not as, like, more, more like, locally They are. Focused. I think the problem is there's so many good local brands. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah. If that's fair. Yeah. Well, and so that's a great segue into what you brought up about online well so covid obviously fucked things up for every single industry in the world except for like gamestop but um i made my money i want to watch that. that movie i I'm made a, i made a lot of money off gamestop that <laughs> did was, you oh yeah you're one of the ones that got oh yeah oh, man. You know, like my best friend was just like dude buy gamestop i'm like all right cool you're a million times smarter than yeah. me and i was like well it, it, it like, now, now you sell it i'm like okay <laughs> covid made us Everybody readjust, obviously, and a lot of things for. Thank you for not like, saying pivot. I know I actually didn't say it just because of you, <laughs> uh, just for you. But a lot of brands readjusted on how to sell whiskey because sure. it became single barrel focused because you could get to uh -huh. those consumers and it was a good way of introducing the brand. It's not the most typical way. I don't. I still don't think it's the best way. I think you should rely on your core product because it's always going to be there versus sure. the single barrels. Single barrels should bring you back to that core product. But um, as you were speaking about five minutes ago about the online presence becoming a way of selling whiskey and taking away jobs from people, yeah, brands are trying that. Guess what? If you don't have that, somebody sitting in that bar stool every single night from like 3 to 8 p.m. and talking about your brand, it's not going to grow. It's going to hit some – it's going to get high quickly off of this like echo chamber, I think, is social media whiskey. Yeah. Everyone, it was, uh, you know, Ryan, that dude Ryan on Instagram, What's and he has a big TikTok following. Really great guy out of Florida. 
Um, and he posted like what barrel should me and my group pick next? And he posted like the top 10 uh, responses to it. And it was like Penelope, Pinhook, like, sure. all the regulars. And I was like, I, yeah. I texted him. I'm like, hey man, like doesn't this just prove that social media is an echo chamber? And he's like, oh, there's, like there's yeah. a few other ones. I'm like, yeah, but it, and like the few other brands he said, and this is not to discredit him. He's just posting something. Right. It's kind of more about the, the layout of social media and how some brands have done a really good job marketing and become darlings in social media over the last three to four years, which is great. Like we had that moment for a little bit there in the online space because I was in that online space completely perpetuating the brand. It didn't take an automatic algorithm. It took people to actually install that. Okay, that's that's where you're talking about two different things though because you were working for the brand. You were doing it yourself. You were tracking all of that information yourself as well. My problem with social media- my, pro- <laughs> my problem with social media is that it's, a large part a of what we do right? is uh, trackability. We, we look at our numbers every morning. We see how we're doing, you know, we're, what's going on in our markets, whatever is happening. Whereas you start to bring in the social media construct of it and it becomes extremely untrackable, which if it works and it's proven to work, obviously we have those relationships that are anomaly based that are like, yeah, this person's great with us. They, they help raise the bar. But some people are looking for other people's wake to ride on a little bit. Right. Um, it was not too long ago that somebody tagged. Um, it was one of those like stores that was doing a raffle or an auction um, that it, it wasn't Illinois based, um, but they tagged my brand in a picture that were other brands allocated whiskeys. <laughs> hey, you buy one of these, you get a ticket. And we've yeah. talked about this oh, yeah. too. And I was like, kind of mad about that. Oh, that yeah. was me. You know, it's just like, really guy, like, <laughs> this is what you're doing. Like, yeah, I want to do that. But I also don't like to work Saturdays. <laughs> Did that for a long time. <laughs> I don't want to do it again. So I wanted to I kind of get in touch base a little bit more on like the um, craft brands and the smaller brands and, and the fact that you guys are doing a lot more creative things, mm, sure. I think, than the major brands are. But I wanted to ask Callum actually mm. how you feel like about linen shirts. Uh, Love them. <laughs> I had a call this morning with my immigration lawyer, so it was like linen on the top. Oh, I love there that. There you go. It's a good shirt. Recreation on the bottom. <laughs> there you go. I saw your underwear. Um, do you see that happening in like the Scotch and even like the Irish uh, whiskey world? I mean, obviously, Irish is totally like Te- like Teeling's getting out there with uh, some stuff. Oh, massively. Um, I went to the the teeling tasting recently at the, over at the gauge with Rob Caldwell and it was just like he's going to be here like uh, this upcoming weekend blew, blew my mind coming on the, the podcast very the, soon the Chinkapaw series and everything mm-hmm. like they're doing like super cool stuff I think the the big difference between Irish and Scotch is obviously the use of wood like obviously Scotch is completely restricted to oak and Again, you know, but they finish. I mean, yeah, you know, um, Patterson does all sorts of crazy stuff with Dalmore. And I think, I think this is the thing, though, is that like in America, especially, it's a completely different ball game with American whiskies. Um, and the reason I asked you about the biggest state or the biggest like, you know, consumer of of old elk is that, you know, like if you look at uh, like at Illinois is like two three times as big as Scotland, so. You know, like the population of Illinois, I think maybe, I don't know, is it 10 million maybe around there? I think it's eight, yeah. Yeah, so like Scotland, yeah. there's like four and a half, five million people in the whole country. <laughs> How yeah. many deer, though? <laughs> Bazillion. Uh, Twelve and trees. And, the, and that's 10% of the sheep. Um, <laughs> but we can't, like, the craft 
idea or the small local distillery idea in Scotland plays out so differently than it does here. Do you think it's tradition? I, I, I think it's I think it's partly that. Like obviously you have to wait three years before you know all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's you know it's it's tough. Like you know with the sourcing aspect here with MGP and everything, there's so much more whiskey available. Sure. Um, but I also think you know any small like you take like a King's Barnes, right, distillery, mm-hmm. right? In Fife, you know, really, really great distillery, some great, great whiskey, but it's nigh impossible for them to get off the ground in America because, you know, with everything that's going on, like you said, there's a whiskey glot, and whether you're a single malt or not, it, 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 it kind of inflates into your, like, numbers uh, and your sort of overall sphere. I don't think, moving forward, that we're going to see a lot of, like, small craft distilleries in Scotland doing particularly special things at an international level. However, you know, I think we will see that at a localized level in Scotland. Um, For sure, but it, yeah. It's just, it's on the same scale as America. Uh, sorry, it's the same idea as America, but on a much smaller scale. Yeah. Do you think that American single malt, like there's been a rise in American single malt, do you think that that's affecting um, Scotch, like... As crazy as it sounds, as crazy as it sounds, I think that no one, I think that the reason, the reason for it is that I don't think single malt is a category. I think Scotch has its own category, but it kind of shares it with Irish. Sure. They kind of, especially now with the single pot still stuff. Yeah. I think like American single malt, which like we actually have done a couple of tastings on Americans. I'm obsessed, right? I think really? there's ah. some really good ones. Yeah, out there. yeah. yeah. So what are your favorites? Um, actually, I'm well, curious. when we did, we had Kyle Smith on. Yep. Um, and the stout cast with West Westward was particularly Aww. impressive. You yep. know, I really, really like their stuff. Yep. Um, I just think that it's not as a, it's not as known out there. And I think you know the reason that I say that single, I think single malt is isn't its own category. Is that you know you look at Starward, you wouldn't. I don't think anyone would put, even though Starward has a bunch of its own single malts. What is Starward? <laughs> it question. was a, a trilogy <laughs> of films that was released in the seventies. Um, no, I think I think no one would put it in the same category as like a Balvenie or a Macallan or think, a Glenlivet. It's do you a, think it's American? Do you think yeah. American single malt is more appealing to like the American craft consumer? Um, do you think it's? Question. Do you think it's? Do you think it's taking I, away I think, from? I think it's. I think it's more appealing. I think anything that's localized American craft yeah. is I always think, going to be more appealing to Americans. Mo- I think sure. it's more about what are you buying in front of you that's local to where you are at. Because a lot of we've talked about a lot too, and I think some American distilleries would admit this that they released their single malts too early and did a disservice to themselves because the flavor profile was not there. You could put a, a bourbon and rye were the same way. They just they just did it 10, it's 15 years ago. Exactly. It was the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Laws is in Colorado, right? Yep. What's that? Yeah. Laws? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are you guys like kind of like... Do we do, we actually do uh, an experimental... Right? Yeah, we do an experimental wheat whiskey every year with oh, all cool. the Colorado distillers. Yeah. It's um, Woody Creek. I see, yeah. yeah. Uh, Laws, um, I don't want to say Breckenridge. I got a taste of it. It's, it was delicious. Stranahan's might be involved. Oh. I forget. Oh, that was another be, one that I was going to mention, mm, Stranahan's. I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't going to say anything about Stranahan's. They, like, you know, I think... Like St. George, been doing this for yeah. four decades. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think, you know, overall, I think that the two categories are very different. And to answer the original question, I, I don't think that any craft scotch distilleries are going to... Because you were saying, we were talking about this earlier, like 27,000 six-packs, right? 
and Jake was like, oh my God, like that's a bunch of whiskey. You know? yep. Like yeah. the scotches, when you look at scotch, you know, Johnny Walker's at 20 million nine liter cases right. across the world. Right? I, I was going to say not, I don't think. Not in the US, not yeah. in the US. I mean, it's very, very small. I mean, compared to that, it's very, very small in the US. But to, so as like. Is India the best market for it? Yeah. Uh, well, Asia in general. Okay. So a lot in China, a lot in India. I know. didn't well, want to say it. I'm glad. No, no, that I, would, I, no I actually, that would actually be something interesting to talk about is. We got three minutes. No, okay, See, I gotta leave. No, maybe oh, not. Maybe minutes. not a conversation for today. <laughs> but you look at you look at Johnny Walker as an example of like it being obviously the most popular blended Scotch in the world, and up there, got to be the most popular whiskey, I would imagine. Yeah. You look at what's happened in American whiskey and how much MGP slash Greg Metz has been responsible mm. for. How many times do you say, "Oh, that's MGP rye." We used to all and talk like shit getting. On, oh, mm-hmm. it's MGP. Oh, sure, it's MGP. I remember when it was now happening. It's so sought after. Um, I actually got. That's, got a, in that's a whole episode we should just save. Dying. It was actually yeah. at the Independent Spirits Expo <laughs> yes. years ago. That really? Chuck Cowdery was you didn't doing know that? Conver- What's well, that? I mean, I know it's sought after, but I wouldn't expect it to be said oh. in those circles. Oh, you dude, know? It, it's the perfect example of what happened with Traverse City. Yeah. Mm. That's a really good point. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, like we, I still get confronted by people about that <laughs> episode. <laughs> Really? You guys joke, but... No, I'm dead, dead serious. Well, it's, it, people it was have the, fights with this guy. It was the MGP witch hunt back in the day. And now it'd be an interesting conversation to maybe Does, res- research first, but yeah. what mm-hmm. distilling contracts actually look like as whiskey oh. producers and sourcing. Good luck even giving that up. Yeah. It'd be, it's a cool thought exercise, Transparency is such I, a you know, that, no, no, no. issue. I am very, I'm a very good friend with a... Not my distillery, but a distillery does contract distilling. Sure. We might be doing some work together, and he's not going to tell me that. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and only because it's a soft spot. Any distillers out there? Yeah. We're looking for your contracts. Oh, for the you know, wall. Actually, for so, the wall. Oh, actually, here's a really good... Here's interesting. We're, <laughs> a very we're, Deadpool we're move. I'm interviewing Buzzard Roost next week, and okay. they're MGP contracted, but they are... I think this is out there. Um, they're going to start using Bardstown as... Sure. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's actually been hau- happening quite a bit recently. Because they've been, they've been housing their barrels yeah. there anyway. That's, that's yeah. what Bardstown so, built their cornerstone on. Same thing with Wilderness Trail. They got acquired because of their yeah. distilling capabilities and futures. Not necessarily... Part of the brand... I mean, the brand is... 101. Okay, we got five minutes. Uh, got obviously, four, the brand that Wilderness Trail back. built was a huge asset and probably why the sale actually happened, but they got purchased. Forgive me if I'm speaking out of term, but it's my understanding that they got purchased because of their distilling and storage capabilities uh, and yeah. futures, so whiskey futures. Have, right. you, have you been there? I have not. It's an amazing I don't facility. go to distilleries. Everybody asks, like, if I'm going through, this you got to stop here, Mike, you know, it feels like work. There, we went down, <laughs> Minnie and Manny and I, and I've already told these guys this, we went down to do a, a Blanton's pick for a recess. And you were in steel-toed boots with that name drop? You. <laughs> wow, this guy. What color, what color were your laces? Blantons. Red. Blantons. Um, no, I shouldn't say that. Edit that out. <laughs> uh, but you drive For by recess? Bardstown. It's off the highway. Yeah. It's like in, the, it's like in this location. Like It looks like, like it could be an outlet mall or something. It's okay. huge. Sure. It's sure. insane. 
and that's the way they wanted to go. That's that was their business projection. Yeah. I, I don't. I have never met. I a lost. I, lo- I got my keys locked in my car there. So well, there you go. one one thing. Everybody that, I've, I've met from there are great. Yeah, one great. one thing to talk a little briefly on the distillery point is you know a lot of these distilleries now are going the same way of that McAllen went you know with the big Teletubbies factory that they built in yeah. in the north of Scotland. We went to Journeyman. Oh, it's probably a year and year a half, half ago. Yeah. Year shout, out. Out. shout out to oh, Bill Welter. Like Journey, man, yeah. The Welters. Oh, those guys. Uh, My, I mean, but the, the main thing that was really highlighted to me were there was when we went into the distillery and like not only are they investing a lot of money in the whiskey and the process and the and the wood that they're bringing in, but they were building the another half, of, like they were building like what they already have onto the back of their distillery. Sure. And yeah. it was becoming like this facility whole, in Valparaiso. it yeah. becomes this whole soon, I think. experience, yeah. you sure. know, it's like this whole experiential well, that's, thing. That's thing, something too, is I'm, I'm wondering how much craft whiskey or smaller whiskey brands are going to end up reflecting what happened in craft beer over the last 10 years. That's, and that being the whole craft beer worms, is, craft beer is we, like that, yeah. basically. Uh, kind of. It's yeah. just it, the ability to fill the national pipeline well, is like, almost an impossible thing at this point. Too hard. Too hearted. I mean, their whole thing is now you can crack open like a, you know, a three blah, 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 hazy, this and that, or you can go back to this, the original craft beer. It's like, that's where we come. We come full circle to it. I would rather. Well, go sure. Back line, to line, line, line extensions. Line yeah. extension into What's a wrong with high life, guys. Uh, we, nothing. All, absolutely first nothing. First of all, we need to engage this conversation, but we should also have somebody who is in the brewing industry with this conversation because yes. I, it is super important to have. Because as we were texting about earlier this week, what happened with Anchor last week, mm-hmm. um, and Matt and I briefly talked about it. Like I, I have that meme of Homer Simpson standing in front of the banner saying, "Let somebody else do it," because mm-hmm. you have all these people that are like, yeah. "We got to save this." we got it and I get that but like when was the last time you bought an anchor I mean I had one a few weeks ago we at my local but that's about it we lined on the block for local brewery uh, for sure right for just sure. like when we have a, a single barrel that we actually publicize yeah. sure and no never well now and then you have the, the, the prominence of people wanting to drink local which I completely subscribe to is uh, I know Michael Roper has talked about this quite a bit on other podcasts is that all these breweries open in his backyard and they were keeping their limited release stuff at their brewery and he was getting mad about that being like well I helped build your brand and now that you have your own they call it own premise to where you can serve and sell and stuff like that I'm I'm hoping that the elder and all that did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, I'm hoping that permeates into smaller brands. Like, yeah, open up your own facility. Um, I know millennials got pigeonholed for enjoying the experience more than anybody else did. Talk but it, shit. if you're, no, if you're leaving the house to spend something, <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> no, but if you leave, if you leave your house to do something that's experientially driven, whether it's walking in the warehouse or yeah, going to sit at a local whiskey bar or brewery or whatever. Um, great point. We're going to end the conversation there because I have to go to a meeting. Uh, but is that an AA meeting? Yes. Okay. <laughs> See, small brands work on Fridays Non-alcoholic. too. That's a thing that should be brought up. Small brands still have to work on Fridays. Um, the one thing I'll say, I mean, this is, this is interesting. So there's a new concept of us all just like bantering around the table together or bar, I guess, as it is. Uh, my job's so much easier than you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had I had a uh, retailer not mentioned, but like, do you want to come just like be the whiskey purveyor of my place? I'm like, as much as I would, can you offer me this number? Slid it across the table. Yep. He's like, 
enjoy your job. <laughs> that's uh, that's actually the, one of the first conversations I had with Gene. Uh, pandemic hit. I, I worked here. Uh, had the opportunity to work here, and was very fortunate to do so. But that was from at, Miller, right? At, yeah, through Miller. Um, I'm like, okay, my name came up, and I mean, not to do one of these, but like, my name came up with Mike Miller and Gene. It was. Did you wear steel toe boots with that name drop? It was. Oh. No, it was. I was in a very dark place, and it was a ray of sunshine. And um, Miller just wanted to get rid of. But with hey, Gene, with Gene, a good place Gene, because he he had a great staff and always does. He started talking about all these things. I'm like, okay, just so you know, this is the number I need to be at. Yeah. To get back to pre-pandemic income for me. And it was challenging, but it's Gene. Gene loves challenging conversations. And and I think he appreciated my honesty because it's Gene. Well, uh, gentlemen, thank you for this conversation. I think there is like another three hours in this. So um, just on one of those topics. Right. If we uh, if you're a fan of the podcast, we're gonna try to do this once a month and have a little roundtable discussion from all insights of the industry. I hope you enjoyed it. Zach, thank you for hosting us. Calm, thank, thank you for showing up late. Looking great in that shirt. Thank you for inspiring Sorry. me, Eric, to... Look at that shirt. He's laid back. He's going to be late. I love that shirt. <laughs> it is a good shirt. Um, it's a very good shirt. Eric, thank you, obviously, uh, for just all you do and working for a great distillery. Nice t-shirt. Ciao, guys. Everyone, enjoy your weekend. <laughs> Go to Lincoln Avenue Festival and drink at the Whiskey Fest. Are you doing it? No, absolutely not. Okay. <laughs>